Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. On its way, we look back on events in Rio, the second ATP 500 tournament of 2018, featuring top seed Marin Cilic and defending champion Dominic Team, both of whom you'll be hearing from on this week's podcast, together with Brazilian tennis royalty Gustavo Quirton. But first, to the man of the moment, the man of the hour, a first ATP 500 final, a world top 20 debut and all without dropping a set. Back he goes, one bounce of the ball, reaches up, championship point, serves down the centre. Big forehand into the net and the arms are raised aloft. He is down on his knees, Diego Schwartzman. He has a grin from ear to ear. The 25-year-old from Argentina wins just his second tour title, his first 500 title, and he has done it in Rio without dropping a set. Diego Schwartzman is the new champion of the Rio Open, a straight sets 6-2, 6-3 win over Fernando Verdasco. Congratulations to Diego Schwartzman, came in as the sixth seed, came in as the world at number 23, leaves as the champion in Rio. He joins the likes of Rafa Nadal, David Freire, Pablo Cuevas and Dominic Thiem, who have all lifted the title on the clay in Rio de Janeiro. He did not drop a set. My name is Gigi Salmon, alongside me Arvin Palmer. Lovely to have your company and for Diego Schwartzman, last year he started to make waves with his results. People People talking about him a little bit more, rising up the rankings, and now off he's just taken things one step further. Oh, we knew he had the consistency based on on last year's success, uh, uh, season's best as far as match wins were concerned. Uh, but things, uh, good things, starting to really had him happen for him. Excuse me, uh, making waves uh, in some big, big events, and just sent something was going to happen for him this year really and, and for it to happen so early on winning a 500 event what a great start to the year your match report from this Rio final Diego Schwartzman against Fernando Vadasco well I think it was uh, an exceptional display of tennis from from Schwartzman I think uh, they're both understandably a little bit edgy early on great opportunity on paper for both to to win here this week and uh, well it was Schwartzman that eventually just kind of make that that made that first breakthrough midway through the first set. Uh, he was able to just uh, get some unforced errors out of Vadasco's game, and he ran away with that first set quite quickly. And uh, well, I mean, it was such a major pop point in that second set when Vadasco had all of those uh, break points and wasn't able to break early on. And Schwartzman just ducked deep, and, and that gritty, determined player that we've seen for so long now just uh, came to the forefront. He was able to hold and then get the break uh, himself and. And uh, I was really impressed with the way that he, he dealt with the nerves there towards the end. And Vadasco just got a little tired there towards the end, physically was struggling a bit. There were some pretty long rallies out there. It was uh, hot, humid sort of conditions. And, and the fact that Vadasco had uh, you know, played longer matches, tougher matches, come, come through some three-set battles and obviously won the doubles as well. I think maybe that may have just caught up with him towards the end and, and uh, you know, and Schwartzman just kept him at arm's length there towards the end. Yeah, there's a little podium that they had to get up onto for the presentation ceremony. And, and Vadasco looked, he looked a lot older than his 34 years as he struggled to get up onto it. Yeah, had to do a lot of running, didn't he? And, and that's why Schwartzman has proven why he's so difficult to, to beat because he... You know, he, he asked you asked you to, to hit closer to the lines and hit those winners. He's such a, a good counter puncher, but also can play aggressively as well. And at times had Vadasco 
moving so much across that baseline that, that you can understand why Vadasco, why those legs were, were definitely heavy there towards the end. And strong towards the end for Diego Schwartzman, we started to think about the mental side of things and as he edged closer to his first 500 level title, his first 500 final, would it get to him? But he stayed fairly strong towards it. I know Fernando Vadasco was puffing and panting and really struggling, but Diego Schwartzman was playing clever tennis right up and until and including championship point. Yeah, it's so difficult, you know, it doesn't matter at what sort of level that you play at, it, it's all relative when when you're on the cusp of a, a huge win, huge tournament win, the, the nerves are going to be there and, it, and it's easy to say, you know, you've got to stay in the present, all the things that, you know, a sports psychologist would tell you to do, you know, but it's easy for your mind to wander and think, I'm going to win my second uh, ATP event and, and a massive one at that, you know, he just won his first in 2016, so there's been a little bit of a wait, but we all knew he was going to you know, start racking them up at some point because last year was he was he was getting closer and closer but to do it at a 500 event you know the nerves would have been there but you know you've just got to just got to take deep breaths one point at a time you know the cliches but you know they're they're the things that you you learn to do at a very young age and it's something and, and i feel awful bringing it up again but we talked about it a few times and you talk about it, diego schwarzman is is the height or the lack of it in the modern day game, which is producing giants. He's five foot seven, but he is showing that you don't need to be a giant to be out there to be successful and to be winning titles. Yeah, it's great. It gives everyone hope that, you know, you don't have to be six foot three with a huge serve that, you know, it just shows you if you're quick and your shot selection is good. Uh, you can take the ball early and seemingly change direction of the ball with such ease, ease that, that he can. Uh, that you can be successful as well. He's, he's a great returner of the ball, so he's always putting you under pressure as a server. And, and uh, you know, he, he's tough to, to break as well sometimes because, you know, he's got such good legs on him. You know, after that serve, doesn't possess the power, but, you know, the second shot, he's quick and, and he gets himself into rallies. And the longer the rally, uh, the better for him. But, you know, he's deceptive as well because he can play on the front foot as well he can take the ball early and he can hit the ball aggressively so you know he's 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 a tough nut to crack he certainly is and he couldn't be cracked by Fernando Vadasco because Schwarzman came through 6-2-6-3 in an hour and 23 minutes and I think this is the perfect time to find out a little bit more about Rio champion Diego Schwarzman he's a man who goes about his tennis like he goes about life off the court with grit and determination punching well above his weight Dug out by Schwartzman, the forehand volley is okay, Schwartzman gets there and made it! How did he make that? That's audacious play from the Argentinian to hang him! It was not easy for me to start when I was uh, eight, uh, nine years old. Uh, my family had uh, a few problems, economic problems in Argentina and it was not an uh, easy start. We are uh, three brothers and one sister and it was not uh, really easy to start but then my family tried to do everything, uh, tried to help to me like selling and, and buying things to buy to to sell to the people in the tournaments and the people just can buy and with that money I can travel and the the people help me a lot and then always uh, kind people and good people and I think that is the why I am here I remember a few players when I start also many coaches sometimes my family 
don't have the money to pay them and they are just coaching me free, like free, and it was not easy for them. But then um, when I was uh, 15 years old, uh, Pico Monaco and uh, Maximo Gonzalez and his coach and was uh, helping me with uh, the preseason. And then in the, in the year, always practicing with them and they give to me many advice to how is the tour, how is the tournament, how you need to practice and do everything. And I remember them and I am always uh, grateful to these people. I always try to, to say thanks to everyone there because I think I am here because of them. Many things now I am doing on the court and outside the court with people, with my coach, with my friends. And I, I learn because of them. And I think they helped a lot to me when I was starting on the tour. And now uh, Pico is not more playing uh, anymore, but he's always there and texts me and, and speaking with me. I think he's uh, enjoying my moment and me too. And I just want to say thanks to, to him. He's a character of Diego Schwartzman that you are drawn to, and I don't want to always bring it back to his height, but it, it seems to come back to that. He's, he's five foot seven. He's one of the shorter guys on the tour. And I was reading a piece about height and the advantages and disadvantages of being short, tall, etc., etc. And someone put it very simply: you like to support the underdog. And when you look at someone like Diego Schwartzman and his height and being five foot seven, you naturally assume that this guy is just maybe going to have to try a little bit harder than everyone else. Yeah, it's a style of game as well. When you watch him play, nothing comes comes easily. That's that's the tough thing, isn't it? You know, he's got a graph so hard for his points, so you can't, like I said earlier, get those three points on serve and just hit those big ground strokes and get those easy points. Everything is, is hard work. And, you know, I, I guess, you know, that's what we see when we watch him from the outside, is someone that is trying to redline his game every <laughs> single point just to, to, to hang. Exhausting. Yeah, must, just to hang in. And I think we appreciate how, you know, going on from what you said, how, how mentally it how, how mentally tough it is for someone of his size because he can't really afford to switch off at any point because getting through service games is so difficult for him. He needs to try and put pressure on his opponent's serve just so he can perhaps get through some service games of his own. And, you know, it takes its toll. Uh, and, and, you know, you get these, these big servers that almost just kind of step up to the line they give the impression anyway they step up throw the ball up and just you know slam it down and without that much thinking but diego has to think a little more deeply than that doesn't he and and, and work a bit harder so i think that's why we like him he got to the quarterfinals in rio last year it was one of five quarterfinals and a semi-final on the clay this is a surface where he is especially dangerous is suited to his game well it just buys himself a little bit more time doesn't it? I think it plays into his hands as far as outlasting opponents. Mentally, grit and determination, I think he really embraces that challenge. He moves so well as well, doesn't he? Someone with such low center of gravity, Clay is a perfect fit for him. You know, getting out of those, getting into those corners, getting out of those corners uh, even quicker suits him. So I'm not surprised. And being an Argentine, no surprise growing up on the clay. You play on the clay as a youngster for at that sort of age growing up, you know, it becomes a very natural surface to you. Someone else who's pretty handy on this surface is someone who's been lending his support to the tournament this week. It's three-time Roland Garros champion and former world number one Brazilian tennis legend Gustavo Quirton. I believe now it's uh, uh, already achieved what we all expect in the beginning. You know, we have a kind of uh, 
doubts of how we'll go, if, if he's getting going too soon. And uh, certainly the tournament just uh, rise up in an exponential way from the beginning. And right now I believe it's uh, a very crucial year because in Brazil we, we have suffering and having tough conditions to, to get going the economy, politicians. So they show the amazing uh, effort to put everything up and uh, get going in uh, extraordinary circumstances. And I believe we get it, the payback and uh, God's <laughs> and Christ's uh, help on having Silic in a great success in, uh, in Melbourne. Also, a team that is a great uh, upgrade for, to, to the tournament as a top player. And Monfils also, here in Brazil, everybody uh, loves to, to watch him around. He's a great character. So we have a, a field very interesting and full of expectations. Unlucky the Brazilians went down in tough matches with match points, uh, several of, of them, but it's the way it is. Um, the main importance of Brazilian tennis right now is, as well as the tournament. The, it means to, to us a lot because it's, it's the chance to bring back our history. We always, uh, year by year, we talk about uh, legends like Thomas Koch and this year Kimai, Maria Esther, uh, Andrea Vieira, Jamie Onsis, Meligeni, and, and we need to, to do that. To the kids understand that uh, there's a chance you know, for, for the Brazilians to be successful on the tennis courts. So the, the chemistry of, of the tournament, it's very successful. And this year, uh, for me, it's an achievement because it's much harder to get the fifth than to go to 10. Now you, you, you can see, you can touch, you feel the flavor. So our next step to achieve the, the, the 10th anniversary, I think will be hard, but uh, simple than the first five. You mentioned some of the great names of tennis, of Brazilian tennis as well. Yours is obviously one of them, and your <laughs> name is on the center court. How proud are you that your name is on that court? Oh, but that's Google name, not mine. <laughs> I could already split and understand better having the, the character and the, all the career, the success, and myself. <laughs> so it's uh, also nicer to to look better and understand the value. Be able to talk about this, to be proud, to generate more opportunities. As I told you, we need to develop tennis in Brazil. That's my mission from already six years ago, once I stopped to play. Now we have 42 schools all around the country running quite well and uh, uh, attending kids from four years old to Everybody who wants to, to play tennis, even beach tennis, so it's a, a, a massive uh, construction with quality that we are developed year by year. And this year we want to launch the Guga team to get the top guys on the juniors level to be prepared for the professional. So this means massive contribution. We can bring them here, they can understand it's very difficult, especially this year we have Mateus Alves that will be part of the team. 
he's around, he's supposed to play the, play the doubles, but his partner got injured 15 minutes before going to the court. So next year, uh, they told uh, he's still confirmed he will play singles and double in the tournament with 17 years old, what makes a lot of sense. And uh, he can uh, visualize that we have our icons, as we told, myself and uh, or Guga and <laughs> all the others and see that uh, he can make part of it, but it will be very hard to get it. You know, because you, you also, we also put him to experience that is more than only dream, it's built. Uh, and this, it's what we pray for, to have uh, chances and opportunities for them to, to develop the, their talents. It's much more, uh, cost less you know, to, to get to Rio than to go to Europe and spend uh, three, four weeks there. So beside of that, everything uh, that we talk also for the crowd and for inspiration, it's a huge impact. We need this more than ever. You know, the country is it's suffering, we're having tough problems. So we, we need to feel that there is good things in Brazil, people who can perform and uh, things that run really well. Just finally, Google. Roger and Rafa and what they're achieving. First of all, Roger, just quickly, what do you make of what he's achieving still at his age and becoming world number one again? Do we have a two-hour taping <laughs> to be able to try to explain? Because we have to look, feel, and uh, be grateful and wait for the impossible, <laughs> I would say, from both. And uh, I'm sure that one pushed the other to much more that they would be without. So it's like uh, yin and yang, you know, this <laughs> force that uh, they, they're not uh, against, they are together. That what it makes so inspiring, uh, amazing. And uh, I would re resume in uh, capable. Uh, there's no between in imagine and realizing it's all connected they what they 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 produce mentally it's real that that kind of power they have on 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 this for for hands i would say but more than this in these two bodies bodies and uh, spirits they are great examples they are uh, amazingly important for for tennis and uh, uh, I confess that I could not expect, I believe both of them also before with the injuries and having hard times, I feel myself in, uh, in troubles, massive one, uh, having to deal with surgeries and everything else. And uh, I'm sure that they had uh, doubts and circumstances that was pretty much hard to imagine. All this, as, as Roger said, it's like fairy tale, no? But they deserve. They they commit. They they make it happen. They are, are, are the guys that uh, we need to trust and uh, we have to follow. Gustavo Kuerten, three-time winner of Roland Garros, an ambassador of the Rio Open, been showing his support all week. He is a part of Clay Royalty, only Nadal and. Borg won Roland Garros more times. And did you know, Arm, after his 2001 win in Paris, in Brazil, they made a postage stamp at the Eiffel Tower and his Guga's face on it. Imagine being on a stamp. 
That's pretty special, isn't it? I think you, you've made it pretty big time <laughs> if your country uh, produces a stamp like that for you or something like so nice for you like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's a clay court legend, but I think just a, a tennis legend as well. I think one of the reasons why I I enjoyed watching him so much is that he did everything with a, with a smile on his face. I think even when things were against him and he had to deal with a bit of adversity in matches and things and things weren't always going his own way, he still did it with a, a smile on his face because he knows the highs are high, and that high and the, the lows you just have to deal with so yeah he's a, he's a great guy and respected by by everyone and even listening to that interview there with Seb Lozier you smile because you know he's smiling he's just so passionate isn't he you, you just sense that you don't have to see him to sense that you can just hear that in his, in his voice and he's got his fingers in many different pies these days as well I'm just glad one of them still is tennis because you know, he, he demands that respect, rightfully so, and he's, he's great for the sport. And we see him uh, pop up every now and then on the on the tour, present some trophies, be involved uh, in some tournaments as well. So that, that's great to see. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see Gustavo quite later in the year. Normally pops up around May time, late May, in the French capital in Paris. Right, let's hear from some of the other top players who've been taking part this week in Rio to hear how their seasons are shaping up. And for defending champion Dominic Team, it was disappointing exit at the quarter-final stage, but he's confident he's going in the right direction and did manage to pick up a title in Buenos Aires the week before. It's been uh, one year since the last title, so it's a, it's a great feeling again. And that's exactly how I was hoping to start this uh, golden swing in South America and I'm more than happy that, that I did it. What are your memories of the tournament last year here in Rio? Uh, amazing. I came in very late. I was playing Rotterdam the week before, so I started here Tuesday. I just came in from Europe Monday, I think, so it was not the best preparation. But I increased my level from, from uh, match to match. So. Um, it was at the end an amazing week and only my second 500 title and my only title last year, so it was, was very good. And the final, your particular memories of, of the final? Many memories, it was a very good game first of all and uh, then the ceremony was amazing. I had the uh, Brazilian jersey on, uh, Guga gave me the trophy, it was a big honour. And yeah, after that I had to rush out flying to Acapulco, so uh, many good memories. It kick-started a, a wonderful year for you. As you say, it was the only trophy you won in the year, title. How do you sum up the, the year as a whole, 20, 2017? It was amazing. I mean, I finished top five, which is a really good achievement, which I was not expecting before the year. Um, but still, it was not perfect at all because I dropped my level again at the end of the year, um, a thing which which happened already a couple times, which I want to avoid this year. But uh, yeah, clay court season was extraordinary, of course. Uh, grass was also fine. And after Wimbledon, I dropped a little bit, which, which I didn't like so much. You pr played a, a prodigious number of tournaments in the year. Um, a lot's been made of that. You've already played two fewer tournaments this season than you had at this stage last season. Is the playing calendar something you're looking at maybe? For sure, I'm going to play less and less tournaments. I think with, uh, with age there is coming also less tournaments. I think it's, it's a normal process and you cannot play all your life uh, 28 to 30 tournaments a year. It's not possible. And yeah, it's, if it increases the quality of, of my level, it's better to play less tournaments. 
and you seem happiest on clay. It's where you grew up. It's where you've won most of your matches, your titles. How confident are you that you can take your clay form now onto the other surfaces? Um, yeah, it's just a different game on the other surfaces. It's, and I think it's getting a little bit uh, faster in general, uh, the other surfaces. So it's tougher for me. But still, um, even though I'm of course not as good as on clay, it was still uh, it's still pretty decent so far for me. I'm, I've reached second week of all the other slams, so that's that's good. But of course, I want more, and of course, I need to improve a lot on the other surfaces, and uh, that's that's what I'm working on. So disappointment here in Rio for Dominic team. Now Marin Cilic, he was a top seed but yet another seed to make an early exit. But he's excited about the year ahead after a fantastic Australian Open. I had a great start of the year, as you say. Uh, great, another great uh, Grand Slam, reaching the second Grand Slam final in, in last three. So uh, really confident and uh, it's uh, hopefully going to be a very exciting year. And you have a new coach in Ivan Sinkus. Um, he's taken over from Jonas Bjorkman, who you had a great relationship with. Why the, feel for, why the need for a change? Oh, well, Ivan has been a part of the team actually for more than uh, three and a half years, uh, almost four years now. Um, he was in a part of the team with Goran and Jonas together. Uh, so uh, he's been uh, a lot already with me and we've known each other uh, all, also way back uh, in even when I was a younger kid. So uh, always a pleasure to work with, with Ivan and uh, a great thing that we found a really nice connection. Uh, Ivan is really dedicated to, to improve, uh, to uh, also help me get better as a player. We both uh, communicate really good on a, on a nice level and uh, that is helping me uh, to play better, to perform better and uh, also to train better. I was going to ask, which parts of your game and your preparation perhaps is Ivan particularly good at helping you with? Uh, he's uh, very studious about the game. He's looking uh, always in, into details what I can improve in my game and uh, he's got a really nice touch in uh, seeing things and also uh, finding the, uh, the details how to improve on them. Um, we also worked in the preparations for this, this new year um, a little bit and technically on, on details on the serve uh, just also we improved I believe even my shots from the back of the court and overall with that loads of practice in the preparation period uh, three four weeks you get better in every kind of sense so we worked uh, really well and uh, it, it paid off straight away from the beginning of the year. It certainly has I, I know you always like to set yourself goals for the year you're, you're a career high ranking of three already have you had to already reassess those targets this year? Uh, well, I was not thinking to reassess. Uh, still, uh, my goal uh, before the start of the season was to uh, you know, try to uh, be in top five at the end of the year. That is the, the big goal and uh, still it's, it's a big challenge to do it and hopefully I will. I'm going to keep that goal as it is and uh, another goal is to win a Grand Slam. Um, I'm playing really well at the moment and that is giving me nice confidence uh, that I keep, keep going, keep pushing myself and that I keep that motivation on a really nice level and uh, hopefully it's going to pay off. Marin Cilic, top seed in Rio. Arv Cilic said at the start of the year his goals were to get into the world's top three and win another Grand Slam title. He was one win away from achieving his 2018 goals in the first month of the season. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty special, wasn't it? I thought he played so well uh, throughout the course of, of Australia. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's been a player that's... OK, he's won a Grand Slam, of course, and, uh, you know, that was, that was incredible, the players that he played along the way and the way he did it. But 
in the most part, he's been a player that's been waiting in the wings, hasn't he? Uh, you know, being patient yep. in those big tournaments, being patient in the majors, and you know, he's the one that's, you know, seeming to be able to push himself through to that next level and just put him in, putting himself in position to perhaps pick up another um, major win. You can't ask. Uh, for more than that, I think it'd be obviously a little bit disappointed this week. Uh, I was a little bit surprised with this scheduling actually after playing so well on the on the hard courts to then come to South America and play on the on, on, on the clay courts. But maybe those sort of deals are done a long time ago and he committed to, do, to to take this sort of route after the Australian Open. But yeah, I think uh, you know he's got a, another great year ahead of him. I think he's, he's playing with a lot of belief. He's made some great improvements. I think ever ever since he bought on Goran all those years back, you know he really you really feel like he, he's come out of his shell now and you know he's, he's intimidating out there he's expressing himself a little bit more you look at his game his forehand once was a bit of a liability but you knows much more of a weapon now the serve he's getting so many more free points and and doing a lot more damage and getting through service games and just allows him to to be more aggressive on the return as well and, and getting up to three in the world and making the final of Australia, that's just only going to add confidence to him. Maybe he came to Rio because the thought of climbing out of the arm of Christ the Redeemer, you can go up and look up at Christ the Redeemer, but he went one step further and there were shots of him poking out of the arm well, about, yeah. what, 98 feet up in the air. I don't think his, uh, his life insurance uh, <laughs> policy <laughs> people were too happy with that. Seeing <laughs> his poke his head out at that sort of height, but uh, he was right, he was strapped in. <laughs> and a quick word on, on Dominic Team. He said he's going to play less matches, and you and I looked at each other and went, mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't believe that for a second. He, I mean, he's talking about later in his tennis life, you know, when he's kind of maybe late 20s, early 30s. <laughs> he, he may have to just chop it down a bit. But, you know, I think he, he's, he's a player that loves playing lots of matches. I think he grows in confidence. But also we've seen the last couple of seasons, he gets a little bit tired towards the end. This is where he makes hay this time of year on the clay. So he's wanting to go into this... Uh, clay court swing just in a month or so's time you know fully fit so you know disappointing this week but he's back on his his beloved clay and hopefully he can, he can start winning some some tournament once again because it was it was so profitable for him last, this time last year you're listening to atp tennis radio arvin palmer thank you very much for your company Pleasure. yeah enjoyed it really good Plenty more tennis to come in 2018. Absolutely. Just getting started here, Gigi. It certainly is. So we're going to say goodbye from Brazil, but just to round out what's been going on elsewhere, there were tennis finals taking place, and the winner at Delray Beach and rising to 61 in the world, Francis Tiafo, the 20-year-old, with his first ATP title, beating Peter Goyovchik. Well, over in Marseille, disappointment for the home crowd because home favourite Luca Puy was beaten by Karen Hashinov, his second ATP title. So titles falling thick and fast. We are well underway with the 2018 season. And make sure you join us next weekend. Remember, all week you can listen to behind the scenes and interviews and highlights of the best bits. But next weekend, we have two tournaments for you, two 500 finals. First, it will be the Abieto Mexicano Telcel presented by HSBC. And then we're off to Dubai for the Dubai duty-free tennis championships. You're listening to Gigi Sam and Arvin Palmer, and we will leave from the highlights of a cracking evening from Diego Schwartz when a first ATP 500 final, a first ATP 500 title. He did it without dropping his set. And when Monday comes, he will make his top 20 debut. Bye for now. Okay, this first serve going,
does now, serves down the centre, gets a deep ball, he spins himself back going cross-court, trying again kick that ball up high, but it's brought down cross-court mid-court, the forehand from Vadasco, because inside out with the forehand, he's working his forehand and Vadasco early on, he's dominating with the forehand going side to side, drops that one Vadasco a little bit short, backhand cross-court short, and up the line for a winner from Vadasco, pinpoint perfection from the Spaniard, first break point opportunity, gets the break, leads in the final by a game to love. Right-handed shorts against the left-handed Vadasco. Double-handed backhand return is good and deep and up line from Vadasco. Draws the short ball, steps on the off-forehead. He's at the net. The lob goes up from Schwartzman. Oh, too good from Diego Schwartzman. Second break point save. Well, so much feel involved in a, a lob like that. Hitting that one to, to drop just in time. Perfect amount of spin on it. Second serve, he just drops it to so make sure it gets in. Bit extra on the back, cranking up those backhand shorts, now steps into the ball, but slightly off balance and inside in. Let's see trying to dictate the pace of this rally, but off! Redirecting the pace and finding the winner off the forehand side from Diego Schwartzman. Didn't see that one coming, Budasco didn't move a muscle. That's the first serve this time, it's inside the baseline, he hooks the forehand cross court, backhand flat cross court from Schwartzman. Schwartzman deep in the backhand side goes cross court to the forehand. Oh, it misses! But Dasko misses. He is broken to love in a game that contained two double faults, and it is advantage Schwartzman. 4 2 with the break, first set. Side on starts from Dasko, the right foot further forward, crouches low, now up onto his toes, the Spaniard runs around the backhand, he wanted the forehand all day long. Schwartzman says, no, you've got to play a backhand. He gives Vadasco another backhand, it clips the top of the net, sits up high for Schwartzman to go inside out, the squash shot back from Vadasco, middle of the court, no man's land, Vadasco clips top of the net again for Vadasco, the drop shot from Schwartzman, here comes Vadasco, pops it over the head of Schwartzman, oh, wins the point, Diego Schwartzman! Great defence from the young man from Argentina. The points, the consolidation, the game. He leads by five games to two. Second serve bounces high above the head of Schwartzman. Forehand inside in from Vadasco. Vadasco plays a double-header. Backhand, he miscues. Fist pump from Diego Schwartzman. The young man from Argentina, the 25-year-old from Buenos Aires, is one set away from his first ATP 500 title. Taking it from Fernando Vadasco, 32 minutes, six games to two, Arvin Palm. Game point, Vadasco. Good serve, but he has to pick up the return and serve, pops the volley over, picked it up off his shoelaces. Great return, better volley, that's a hole for Vadasco, a game apiece. Something a little bit different as well. He softens the thing out on that forehand, just changes it up, but he's dictating with the forehand. He plays the volley, it creeps over, here comes Schwartzman, up the line he goes. What defence from Diego Schwartzman to turn things round and win the point. Will he get it now? Yes, he will. And he's break point down for a third time in this game. Forehand inside in from Vadasco, plays a backhand up the line into the corner. The backhand down the line goes short from cross court stretch backhand from Vadasco. Vadasco is only getting backhands. He hits her, but he misses it. Middle of the court, flat down cross court shorts from down the line goes Vadasco. Vadasco double handed backhand up the line, backhand, backhand him from Schwartzman, then he puts it onto the corner and cross-court with the backhand goes Schwartzman, Schwartzman the one-handed backhand, middle of the court, surely Vadasco finishes it off, no he doesn't, it hits the top of it and it goes wide and the third break point is gone. Schwartzman a long way back, swings into this forehand, backhand up the line from Vadasco, Vadasco opens up the forehand, spins it high, the backhand is good from Schwartzman, he draws a short ball, he steps on the off forehand, the stretch from Vadasco up the line, Schwartzman in control, goes cross-court, good defence from Vadasco with the backhand to keep the rally alive, off forehand from Schwartzman, he keeps on the forehand and goes inside and he's in control at this point, Schwartzman in 
it goes again from Vadasco, and long it goes from Schwarzman. How on earth does Vadasco come out on top in that point? This game number six of the second set just gets that ball in. Rally underway, backhand cross-court from Vadasco, sliding forehand cross-court from Schwarzman. Misses! Fernando Vadasco, he crouches low, he bangs his racket on the clay. He hands the point and the game, an eight-minute game. And the break to Diego Schwarzman, who is now two games away from the title in Rio, leading by a set and four games to two. Fernando Vadasco hits a backhand, cross-court press, but a bit more meat behind that in the squash shot, because he was out-muscled by Diego Schwarzman, who fist-pumps over to his box. As things stand, Diego Schwarzman is a game away from his first ATP 500 title, leading Fernando Vadasco by a set and five games to two. Of the ball reaches up, championship point, serves down the center. Big forehand into the net, and the arms are raised aloft. He is down on his knees, Diego Schwartzman. He has a grin from ear to ear. The 25 year old from Argentina wins just his second tour title, his first 500 title, and he has done it in Rio without dropping a set. Diego Schwartzman is the new champion of the Rio Open. A straight sets 6-2, 6-3 win over Fernando Vadasco.